This is a Podcat Nation production. And welcome to Buff Wild, a nonsense podcast with a nonsense name. I am your host, Olivia, and this week I'm joined by my dear friend, Bonnie. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me on your awesome podcast. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Of course. Um, Super happy. So you're a newcomer to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am actually. And it's funny because when you first asked me, I thought that I had watched all of these, but then in rewatching, I realized that I hadn't. So it was actually a lot of this was totally new to me, a lot of these episodes, which was fun. But and uh, the craziest, I think, um, uh, symptom of rewatching these was the nostalgia, like how it brings you back to that time in your life. Um, which is, was, it's been a journey. (laughs) Oh, truly. It's, there's some things that are like, so quintessentially that late nineties period. There's some that are like Mm -hmm. slang terms that they definitely tried to be like, let's make it catch on in this show. And it never did. And you're like, "Mm -mm." yeah, like the things that hit, hit really hard and it's very fun. Yeah. 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 Cause you're a big sci-fi person. I love sci-fi, yeah, a lot. And since I was young, but I Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I don't know why. I remember like trying to watch it and then just it never really caught my attention, never grabbed me. Um, except for certain aspects of it, which I'll get into later. There's some parts of it that I'm like, oh yeah, I remember why I liked this. <laughs> oh good. Um, but I think that the yeah, I think it, I think it's more interesting to me now as a grown adult than back then, which I I've realized that I was in grade 7 when this episode aired. Mm, mhm. Um just to contextualize. Okay, right? Definitely mm-hmm. watching it as a child where your mind's still forming versus as an adult and you're like, I've got thoughts on this. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And as a as a grade seven, I remember thinking they were a little bit too old. Like it was a oh, yeah. little bit out of my, uh, what do you call it, my age range, I think. Um, but also not. But I remember thinking like, oh, this is what we're going to be like soon. You know, like they were kind of like role models or the ideal of what it is to be a high schooler. Kind fair, of. fair, fair. Yeah. Fair. Right. When you're just like a little out of that high school age range, you're like, this is going to be it. This is it. Yeah. That's going to be me. (laughs) I grew up in the Gossip Girl era. I was like, yes, teenagers having martinis at three in the afternoon. Yeah. Right. This is correct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh -uh. (laughs) Incorrect. Yeah. No. (laughs) Um, Um, Should we talk about this episode? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Which is a lot. I don't know about you. So I. I did my first watch of the series a few months ago, larger into the like pandemic times of it all. And 
going over all the episodes to re-record and everything, and I was like, hmm, nightmares. I have vague recollections of what this episode is, but I don't really remember. And the second I got into it, it was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this one. And it was actually very good and like deeply upsetting in many different ways outside <laughs> of just vampires. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Some of the yes, I some of these nightmares are true nightmares to all of us. Um, oh yeah. There's a few I wasn't really buying into as much, but a few of them I was like, oh yeah, those are those are legit. <laughs> right? Do you have a good like horror trope nightmare that you go through? You were like um, forget the words or spiders in your notebook? I don't think so. Actually, I have one where like you know, I've seen it even redone in movies before, but where like I'm trying to go somewhere, but my legs like keep sinking into the ground. Ooh. Do you ever have that? <laughs> no. It's I a like really weird. Though. It's weird. And it's kind of, it can be a nightmare because it's like you're just trying to go somewhere. Oh, and I have another one. I just remembered. This is the one that drives me crazy, but it's not really <laughs> scary. But it's like I can go shopping and I can buy anything. And I'm like, yeah, this and that. But then I realize I only have like $2. <laughs> do yes. you ever have that I do have that one uh your first one is kind of similar to mine that started surfacing in like the last few months and that I'm like in the airport I'm trying to get to my terminal and like oh. I can't find my gate yeah and like I hear the boarding announcement and I can't find the gate and I'm running there's usually somebody with me I'm like you're weighing me down but yeah <laughs> the weird one I've started getting I'm like yeah not so much for the spiders out of the notebook though so thank goodness no. I don't I think want that's that. like a real life fear for me, though. One hundred percent. Spiders. They're definitely. If that not... happened, I am out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that fear for sure. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but the premise of this episode, just before we get into it, is there's something happening in Sunnydale. There's always something happening in Sunnydale, mm-hmm. um, where the residents of the town are experiencing their worst nightmares come to life. Some of them are comical. Some of them are deadly. Mm-hmm. Woof. Mm-hmm. Woof. Um, which like kind of starts out. I feel like it's unclear. They never really get into it. You start at this episode with Buffy's in like a hunting scene. She's being really sneaky in the Plasticine Castle where the master lives, but like spoiler alert is disclosed to be a dream and I can't really tell if this is just like her having excuse me awful nightmare like nightmares about vampires or if this is the start of the nightmare realm seeping in yeah there is definitely I think that actually if I was to kind of criticize the making of the show the filming of the show there's definitely ambiguity about like what is a dream and what is not with like lighting and stuff they 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 could have done a better job I think or maybe they wanted it to be really confusing (laughs) but but like even there's other scenes where they're out of the dream and it's kind of got this weird lighting and it's like that says a lot but it's almost like they didn't really think that through exactly and like it's not a new technique to have some sort of like visual effect to make you understand there's some kind of alternate reality. Like yeah, this tool. would have existed in the time of Buffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're all so about that. Exactly. So yeah, that was could have been like an editing thing too. Maybe just when they put it together at the end, they were like, eh, let's just put this here. It makes more sense. <laughs> exactly. But 
Maybe. Maybe this was also a little strange because dreams were reality in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It does make for some confusing storyline to follow. Yeah. Like, I think that they did it. Like, they pulled it off. But I felt that the trope of, you know, dreams becoming a reality could have been really great. And that would have been a lot of fun to play with. And I don't know if they really did like tested its limits really they stayed in a really safe zone I don't know I didn't it didn't blow my mind I don't think personally but but no yeah it was it was still fun to watch yeah I think the meat of the episode is pretty fun but the way they executed it you're like I this works yeah it's fun to watch but yeah definitely a thing that would have benefited from some more like specific visual effects to really differentiate things mm-hmm. yeah at least choose like what it looks like when it's a dream and when it's not instead of just putting them willy-nilly wherever <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah right um totally. yeah but we start off the episode and buffy's in the master's lair and she's sneaking he's sneaking in true scooby gang form i've written in my notes row like grabs her immediately and for some reason this all-powerful vampire who like we know canonically vampires they like a chomp and a blood suck he was really mm-hmm. into choking yeah canonically he... this all-powerful vampire is like Mm-mm. it's yeah he wants her neck really bad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really confusing i'm like is it tenderizing i don't understand it's yeah i'm not 100 percent sure that's I think it's visually like I don't know appealing on camera maybe to be all about right. Buffy's neck I'm not sure but yeah he's definitely into choking right it's I think his hands also something. they're oh, a yes. whole thing they're like a work of art his his hands so maybe they're trying to like show that off absolutely I almost feel like they kind of use the prosthetic um, budget for his hands yeah they're really just, good. Like, kind of comical. <laughs> They they're in a lot of scenes too. Like there's like in that open scene, opening scene, he like is grabbing the pole and his hands like burning, and he's like, "Pain is in your mind." Um, that again, they're really putting his hands on camera. So maybe, I think with with this show in particular, I was I like could not help but think art department, art department. Like there's so much art department um, yes. involvement. I I think it's in all the episodes, but maybe just because I dissected this one. But there's lots of things where I, I really wondered, like, whose choice was this? Like, was this, um, like, what the director wanted or the art director? Or, like, how did this become something we needed to see? You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. they really have a, a lot of very specific and kind of all over the map um, visual focuses that mm-hmm. not many of them seem to coincide. They're just, like, yeah, popping up left and right. And you're like what an interesting assortment you've given us <laughs> yeah I love it but like what was the vibe here <laughs> yeah totally I think I have someone some written somewhere this episode's messy it's just like yes. a collage or something like they mixed it all up it's very much like a like second year design students vision board you know <laughs> like, this like, is a nightmare <laughs> Exactly. It's all there, but like, I don't know, some of the images have just been torn out of magazines and like some things are just a little, little crunchy. 
Yeah. Like, can you just picture people sitting in the writing room and being like, okay, what's scary? Like, let's write a big list on the chalkboard. Like, spiders. (laughs) I also feel like they really pull some scary elements just out of nowhere. I'm like, we could have focused on like five of them, but there's so many that pop up left and right. I'm like, yeah. Take three things off before you leave the house, you know, just like yeah. Parent- <laughs> they covered a lot too. Like in that sh- in that forty five minutes, they got I don't know how many different nightmares there were in there, like ten at least. There was a lot. Mm-hmm. There was I think one nightmare that comes up that I'm gonna want to talk about where there's like multiple elements of things that come into play. Where I'm like, this could have just been one thing. Yeah, this didn't need to be all over the map. Mm-hmm. I'd also just like to address, because now that I know you've finished season one and you've moved on to season two, mm-hmm. um, I love the master as a villain. The master, is, is that the one that's in the Hellmouth? Yes. We're like... I, you love him? I do. And upon <laughs> watching it a second time, I was like, no, he's great. This is like the perfect introductory villain where like, you know the stakes are not very high. They've made him more like personally interesting than threatening. And I'm like, he lasted the perfect amount of time, but I'm like, oh, I would have does loved he, to have seen more of him just being comically sinister. Is he, does his character develop more in season two? Um, We don't really get him in season two. Oh, it's just his, in season one. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert, meets his demise in the finale, but like. Oh yeah, right. I remember, sorry, fun. I remember that. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, um, I don't, I kind of thought the opposite about him though, which oh. is, which is, um, I don't know, funny, I guess. But I just thought, like, why – like, I feel like I've seen it in a lot of kids' shows where, like, there's the evil thing, but it's, like, stuck somewhere, and it's like, I'll get you one day. Yes. And that, that's what he was. He didn't really ever get out of the hellmouth. It was kind of – I thought a little bit underwhelming, but also, I don't know, like, he, in a way, kind of held a structure, like, it was grounding. He was always down there. <laughs> like, right. you know, I don't know. Oh, reliable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's wild. But yeah, so Buffy has this nightmare about him and it's very bad. And she wakes up screaming to Joyce, who over rewatching the season, I'm like, I love Joyce. Her mom. I love yeah. her mom. Yeah. She's trying really hard. She has no idea what she's up against with her teenage daughter, but she's trying really hard and it's very sweet. Yeah. She's just trying to like live a normal life as a single mother with a art gallery. And (laughs) she has this daughter who she doesn't understand. And she thinks that her daughter's just a bad kid, but she's really saving the universe (laughs) or the world. She's like, everything's life and death with you. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, mom, it sure is. Yeah. Yeah, she wakes her up from her nightmare because Buffy's just screaming in the middle of the night. And she's like, wake up. It's time yeah. for school, kiddo. Like, get your duffel bag. Your dad's going to come meet you after school. And we get the low stakes drama for the episode that Buffy's absentee dad is going to come visit her. And I guess he, like, bails on her a lot. And she's like, do you think he's actually coming this time? Yeah. Joyce, well aware of the fact that she's like, hopefully. Like, yeah. Sorry I married such a scrub. Hopefully he shows up for you this week. It's very sad to watch. Yeah, we're like really yeah, like launched into some of Buffy's trauma right away. I actually wrote here like that I yeah, this episode made me really feel for Buffy because yeah. she cuz everybody well cuz I guess it's revealed that her nightmare is 
that people don't like like her anymore, right? Because she's kind of coming off as a bad person, but really it's because she has this secret life and she can't live up to their expectations as a regular person because she's busy. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so it just made me feel, I felt really sorry for her. Like it's not her fault she was born to be the chosen one, you know? <laughs> exactly. This was like really really sentimental but also like really bleak where yeah you have her like fear of her slayer life interfering with the people who care about her but then you get the actual buffy human child fears of like my dad my friends my mom Mm -hmm. like things like that and you're like this is we actually get to see buffy as a child this week she's vulnerable in this yeah extremely she cries she cries a lot. Yeah. In like in a way that we don't see for the rest of the series. And it's just it's hard to watch this yeah. big tough person have such a soft underbelly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, so we go to school. I have just written Cordelia's perfection. Xander sucks. It's like Cordelia's doing her makeup and some kids in her way, and she's like, You're in my light get out Xander (laughs) says something to the effect of like oh don't you know we're in Cordelia's universe we're all just living in it and I was like yeah what's your point (laughs) (laughs) this is a Cordelia house get out of her way um and I think Willow describes her as Evita like and I kind of love it Mm -hmm. like very that Um, yeah Cordelia I think at first I didn't really like her but I'm kind of getting my prediction because I actually, as you know, haven't watched right. a lot of these. My prediction is that she's going to become part of the gang, maybe. I don't know. I'm feeling that. Yeah. She has these moments of redeeming qualities. And I'm like, okay, there's something happening here. Maybe Xander oh, and yeah. her. This is just another prediction. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. We'll see. We'll see. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, Cordelia is an interesting one in season one because you really start off hating her because she's such an asshole. But like we don't get the really identification of the master until a couple episodes in. So we need that low stakes villain to like mm-hmm. pit everybody against and bond everybody with. And then suddenly they're like, That's true. what if we gave her more than this? And towards the end of the season, she really starts to like flush out as a character. And it's really cool to watch. She has yeah. A great arc. Yeah, she does. Um, I haven't watched Angel, but apparently it continues there and it's really good. I saw that. Yeah, I actually think I might watch Angel after. Me too. It's a totally different show, but I just want more of Cordelia. (laughs) Yeah, I'll have more Angel. (laughs) Fair, 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 fair. I also really love Angel when he's interacting with people who aren't Buffy. Um, Yeah, Uh, there's one. This is not in this episode, but there's one scene where uh, Giles meets Angel and they have this weird moment where Giles is like, oh, you're Angel. Which, by the way, (laughs) I realized in this episode that Giles, I think it's maybe because his maybe the actor is just weird. But whenever he meets (laughs) anybody, because at first I thought, oh, he's totally got the hots for Buffy. But then Mm -hmm. I realized that whenever he meets anyone, they kind of always like capture his face and he's always like, like he looks like he wants them but I don't I think it's like like they can they mixed up he mixed up his like acting expressions like I don't know what the right word is for that but like when he meets sorry pardon me because I'm jumping ahead a little bit when he meets Buffy's dad he's like oh and he looks at Buffy's dad like so weird I was like that's the wrong 
emotion. I've never noticed this, but now I can totally see it. And I'm replaying scenes of Giles in my head. I'm like, yeah, he sure does. I'm like, Giles has chemistry with everybody. Yeah, at least in the beginning. And I don't know if that's like a mistake or if I'm reading into it wrong, but. I'm choosing to believe that that was maybe a choice. That's actually the thing that I think is the standing out to me about this show is I don't know if it happens in other shows, but there is so many, so much stuff in, in this in Buffy the Vampire Slayer where I'm like, wait, am I supposed to be reading between the lines? Like, do they really mean this? Are they really saying this? Or am I just projecting and seeing that? Because I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I do. There's There's a lot of cheeky subtext. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, even just visually, like there's a couple of scenes even in this episode where I'm like, whoa, that's like kind of triggering makes Mm -hmm. me think of something else like the hospital stuff it made me think of like what like really happened in these uh uh, like what happened I don't even you know these fights that these people got into what really happened there sorry my chair is really cracky oh good but yeah no I definitely agree with you there's a lot of just like I don't know if it was intentional or if it's us maybe just watching it 20 years later and having more of like a language and lens for like subtext and like yeah political storylines that fit in because horror was always political as well. So I'm like kind of choosing to believe that maybe it's intentional. Yeah. I mean, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but then also sometimes I'm like, these people have no idea what they're doing so how could they have possibly made something so complex you know <laughs> like it's either just totally not com- like dumb or it's loaded with like subtext and 100% it would be interesting to find out like a blog or something where someone really like dives into that yes but yeah this is a good point I also have curious about this Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes also- it's so comical and then it's like so poignant mm-hmm. especially with the um like sexual tension that is everywhere like God. everything Everybody and sometimes like to touch each other yeah like there's <laughs> weird it's weird like there's I things that I think why would this be a kind of sexy scene and it somehow feels like it is and I'm I whenever I see that I'm like did they want people like who wrote this like are they intending to do that or um and then the other thing I remembered all these sort of like like sneaky sneaky sexy <laughs> vibes that are coming out of this <laughs> show are why I liked watching this show when I was in grade 7 yeah, because you know you're like a little pervert in grade seven, and oh, yeah. you're like, I remember the show being like, like feeling funny when I saw like Angel and Buffy, and like really liking it, <laughs> 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 but also being like, oh, what is this feeling? <laughs> it's easy to forget because it's a critically acclaimed series that holds up after like almost thirty years. That like. At, the, at its heart, it's a teen drama that is always loaded for like horny teenagers to be like, mm-hmm. yes, everybody is Willow just being like, I want everybody to make out like it's mm-hmm. a lot. It's very loaded. Very. Right. Um, yeah. Speaking of horny times, 
So <laughs> really eloquent on this podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Scooby gang's in class. They're talking about active listening. Xander is a giant pervert and he was like, I don't remember anything about active listening. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, because you were like ogling our teacher and it was weird for everybody. Um, but they get one of the kids, Wendell, is asked to read aloud from the chapter they're working on and he opens his book and it's just spiders mm-hmm. like giant tarantulas that are just pouring out of his textbook everybody freaks out because yeah spiders are just universally not great yeah um they're awful just spiders well right. some people love spiders but yes yeah. no right. <laughs> just no <laughs> exactly there's chaos in the class and I think then we get another cutscene to what we had talked about before where um back in the Plasticine Castle the anointed one is there talking to the master they have like a kind of weird fun relationship where they're they're, they're just trapped in this hellmouth area and they're like well what do you want to talk about today hmm um but yeah they talk about fear and how humans are so funny when they're like a f- they give so much power to fear and I'm watching the scene play out and I was like, how can there be a cross down there? How is he so close to it? And they very quickly get into the fact that he's like kind of trying to like overcome the things that make vampires weak because he's all powerful. There's a scene of him touching the cross where it like kind of burns him, but not really. Yeah. He's trying to like, like master his emotions. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like quite powerful, but also Oh, don't do that <laughs> we want you to be weaker um <laughs> at some point there's like another scene of joyce for some reason who's just like again is like sorry about your dad being the worst i don't fully remember what happened i know there was a lot of cutscenes that didn't need to happen um but so we're starting to investigate the spiders out of the book because it's obviously something supernatural mm-hmm. um one of my favorite visual scenes in this entire episode is they're like in the library looking for Giles because they're like Giles will have answers probably and Giles like is nowhere to be seen in the library and they're calling for him and he runs out and he does the full like Tina Belcher run where his arms don't move and he's like hi (laughs) and it's just so uncomfortable and I really started to adore him in his like moments of discomfort yeah when he's like a little bit weaker he's more digestible (laughs) exactly Right. When he's like, I also have no idea what's going on and I'm just trying to help. You're like, all right, you're a (laughs) humanize yourself. And I like it. Um, We get more context for Wendell, the kid with the spider situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Who, by the way, did you have a spider kid in your school ever? Yes. Because Wendell, I was like, you're Mike. There's this guy, Mike, that that was exactly what he was like. Like he loved spiders. Right, and, and was, would, like, a little unsettlingly calm about it. Yeah, and also yeah. kind of creepy, but... Yes. Um, oh, I, I also that. just really enjoyed <laughs> the detail that Wendell had, like, hard Lin-Manuel Miranda Hamilton-era hair, like, the, like, greasy ponytail that's just slicked back and is, like, not quite long enough, but also a little too long. Yeah. Like, they've really made efforts to make this kid look like everyone's creepy spider kid, and I love it. Um, yeah. He we get the subtext it. that he loves spiders and he went out of town for camp or something and left his brother in charge of the spiders and he left 
the heat lamp on and all the spiders died. And since then, he has like nightmares of remorse that these spiders coming over him. That scene, I felt kind of bad because I was like, good. But, but right. also I was like, okay, I'm a bad person. Like, to be like, I didn't really, I didn't have sympathy for the spiders, which was bad. All I, I think. could think about was this kid's parents hearing about what happened. They're like, oh no, your spiders are dead. <laughs> like, uh oh, his parents are probably like, thank God. Yeah, they also had sent him to wilderness school. Which I thought was interesting. So they were clearly supporting his his like interest in nature, I guess. Right. And they're like, let's foster this in ways that are maybe a little less unsettling. Let's branch yeah. out into nature let's and animals. Get some other people around him. Exactly. <laughs> maybe some other kids who were like him, because I don't know how to relate to this child. Yeah. <laughs> um they're uh Xander and Buffy are having this conversation with Wendell and getting all the gossip because Buffy gets pulled away by Cordelia who has the most bonkers outfit on and I'm obsessed with it she has like a ponytail with a black pom-pom yeah um like a see a sheer tool pink ascot that Mm -hmm. is like comically large and then a see-through 90s bag like yeah she has the best clothes in this episode I think she wins she really does sometimes she's dressed like she's 40 sometimes she's dressed like an absolute icon yeah so they all good. all of them actually well the girls right they're it's hit or miss <laughs> right everybody's got a moment <laughs> yeah um, um overall though i i actually love the clothes like it's oh, yeah. i aspire to dress like that i don't right. know if that's something everybody feels but even like i think i even wrote here like buffy hair goals like i love oh, her God. i love her karen hair Yes. Occasional Karen hair. Oh, sorry. It's really good. I feel like it kind of evolves from the Rachel. Yes. It's like a younger version of it. It's definitely a Rachel hair thing. Yeah. It's so good. I feel like the entire show is so visually extraordinary that like every character, there's someone for everybody in terms of Mm -hmm. visual style. And it's very cool. And I love it. Yeah. Until Spike arrives, but that's down the road. That one, I'm just oh, yeah. like, what? <laughs> what <laughs> the worst the part is I've known so many Spikes in my lifetime. I'm like, oh, no. Me too, but they're usually like, I don't know. Not He's that, I don't, I, I could say a lot, but I won't. <laughs> but It's for another episode, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cordelia grabs Buffy and she's like, I hope he's steady. Buffy's like, what and she's like we have a history test did you forget she's like fuck history so she goes off with cordelia and like buffy's fully wandering the halls not really sure where to go because apparently she's gone to one history class and she just keeps skipping it for vampire stuff Mm -hmm. which is an ongoing gag in the first season of like buffy doesn't know much about history Mm -hmm. for whatever reason it always interferes and at first it's just like you know buffy being a bad student and being unprepared and she's sitting in her class and her pencil breaks and she's like oh this is awful i didn't study i didn't know about it and like very quickly you realize that something else is happening she like breaks her pencil she sharpens it and she looks at the clock and suddenly it's an hour later and she's like fuck so she hasn't filled out anything on her test everybody's leaving and she looks at the doorway and there's this little boy staring at her at first I thought was the anointed one because they all, they just pick a bunch of creepy looking children. Yes. Yeah. I am not impressed with the weird little boys that keep needing to be in this show. No. They're, do you, I, like, it seems like they, they, 
they don't have any depth. Those characters are just like, why? Why are they there? I don't. Right. They're definitely just there to be creepy for like low, low shock factor. Was this like at the time when The Sixth Sense came out? I wonder because I wonder if maybe little boys were just in style, like because Colin fully looks like the kid from The Sixth Sense. Exactly, they do. Yeah, right. And it was that kind of face too that was like kind of featureless and just like creepy and yeah, yeah. A plasticine boy for the plasticine hellmouth. Yes. But then the kid in this episode also kind of had plasticine face. Exactly. He kind of looks, it's almost like they had like, I don't know, like one of the writers was like, do we need child actors? Because I've got two kids. Yeah. (laughs) They look kind of alike. It works. It's, I, yeah, that boy in this show, I, I wish it was like, it could have been a woman, I think, or a guy. It could have been an adult. I think it would have been better if it was an adult. The kid right. and even the story about his trauma or what happened to him, I, I was kind of like, that's not really right. realistic. That's a little too far and a little too just meant to be upsetting. Yeah, like really it's like, disturbing. Right? It like borderline kind of like tiptoes into the torture porn genre where like this didn't need to happen. But Right? Yeah, yeah. And also go. that was, I forgive me for getting ahead, but that was one of the things where I was like, well, what really happened? Like, are they, you know what I mean? Like, reading between the lines like what was the abuse that occurred between yeah I also picked up on that right you did okay so I was like is this my sick mind or is this oh yeah no 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 you are not not alone there (laughs) okay I have more thoughts on that but (laughs) okay um yeah so she sees this little boy and she's like oh weird I wonder if he's you know someone's kid I don't know doesn't really think much of it we cut to just like a scene in the hallway of two random teens who were chatting and they're like oh gossip and the one kid who's like I'm gonna take a (laughs) smoke break and like (laughs) instead of going outside behind a bus or something she goes into the basement where I'm like right why that room isn't fumigated if you light a match something's definitely going to explode down there right there's like open paint cans and stuff I'm sure it's a public high school in California it was weird. Do they go into that basement in other episodes? I think so. Oh, they do. And nothing okay. good is ever down there. Okay. I was I was yeah. definitely like, why? Don't go down there. Like anytime, anytime anyone went down there, I was like, no. Oh, <laughs> me too. It was classic horror movie this week with like anytime anyone went into the basement, me yelling, don't go down there. Like, yeah. Come on. So I've learned from now. Episode <laughs> 10 and they're still just wandering into basements alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she goes into the basement for a smoke break, which like weird choice. Go into a bathroom and smoke out the window like all the other bad kids. Like Jesus. Yeah, it was definitely weird. I'm gonna yeah, have smoke but- down here and her friends are like, okay, bye. Not like that's a bad right? place to go smoke. Exactly. It's very strange, but she's down there for like five seconds before this just monster with a club hand comes at her and just beats her. Yeah, that or- was savage. It was savage. I also kind of find it weird that like this clearly demon with like a club hand meant for violence didn't kill this person. Yeah. It's weird. He's almost killing people. It's yeah. We're right. like, good. We don't like killing, but also just seems like a weird pullback to be like, no, savor it. Like, let them suffer. It was very strange. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut to, oh my God, also art department so I'm loving just like the very strange like surreal pieces of 
set work in Buffy and my favorite in this episode was the sign that we kind of zoom in on as she's we hear her being beaten almost to her death is a sign that reads smoking kill yeah (laughs) totally and you know I was even thinking that before I was gonna write down smoking kills and then the sign came up it was definitely they were playing on that for sure but she didn't die she didn't I also want that sign in my home (laughs) Yeah, she didn't die. So we're in the hospital. Her name is Laura. And also Laura looks like a soft um, Heim sister. Yeah. Um, And that also is, that's the other scene where I'm like, it was a little triggering. Like, I think that if this was an adult show, it would have been a rape scene, right? Like, I think that was kind of what what it was looking like. Yes. Yeah. Fully implied. There's total special victims unit vibes happening there. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely find towards the end of season one, they get more into like the subtext of rape culture just in our society and the way it trickles into things outside of sexual assault. And it's mm-hmm. like, like if it hit, if Buffy had been made any time later, they would have done it with like a little more nuance and grace. But it's like Joss Whedon being like, I can do whatever I want. Here's some really triggering content for you. Yeah. it <sighs> It's before I definitely think a lot of the time I'm watching this show and I'm like, if this was made now, it would have, they would have made it so different. Like they are careless, I think with the messages and the symbolism that they put in the show. Right. I think they were just on that divide line of like really starting to think more about like the very special episodes and everything as opposed to just like throwing whatever they wanted to into an episode Mm -hmm. so it's like simultaneously they're like really ahead of their time on some things and some were just like so heavy-handed and unnecessary and you're like why why yeah why is this where we are today totally yeah but they go to visit laura sorry go ahead oh i was just i think this is the first time i had the thought that like i think that they should redo buffy now i think it would be a solid show now yeah i feel like (laughs) like if it they could do the same thing and talk about real because they were not afraid to talk about real stuff right on that show so if they did that now i think it would be pretty solid i think we're due for another vampire show too I kind of agree with you. I know we've talked in like other episodes about like, we don't need to redo Buffy. It's like perfect as it is. But I'm like, but imagine if they did. <laughs> be on, like the right team was in charge of Buffy. It'd be unstoppable. Yeah, it would need to be done. So right. good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I agree with you. Oh, good. I think it would be really good. Um, I also just in terms of we talked about fashion and how the dudes never really have a great outfit. So Buffy and Giles go to visit Laura in the hospital and Giles has like his teacher outfit, but also a too short fringe ended paisley knit scarf. (laughs) And I found it distracting the entire time they were there. (laughs) I actually didn't really pick up on that. It was all I could see. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Giles like always just kind of wears the same thing. He wears like a three-piece like plaid suit sort of vibe thing, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, Giles is in like Indiana so, Jones cosplay. Yeah, he has like a vesty kind of character. That's yeah. his, he wears vests. Which is usually pretty good. Like it's never groundbreaking, but like it it works and it's pulled together. It's neutral. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> but he doesn't then like he had the scarf on that day. Yeah, the, yeah that was scarf on. I'm like, I'm like somebody definitely ma- like Willow made him this or something. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, they talked to Laura, 
who's just like doesn't really want to talk about it she was like it was awful i'm traumatized leave me alone and buffy is definitely like aware of the fact that she's holding stuff back because it seems so bizarre that she's like you can tell us anything mm-hmm. even the things that seem really weird like you can tell us so she tells them that like the her attacker had been yelling like lucky 19 mm-hmm. repeatedly while he attacked her um they let her rest as they're leaving they see her doctor who's like i find it funny they're like is she gonna be okay and they're like the doctor's like are you family because you can only disclose so many details people who aren't family and they're like no we're friends and he's like okay and just tells them like all about her current condition she's got broken bones and internal bleeding i'm like it's not for them to know yeah tell them that she's critical but stable like and move on but we learn that this is not the first attack of this sort recently and that mm-hmm. somebody else in about a week ago, same kind of situation. Clearly, there's some person on the move. We cut to school and we get another really just bizarre example of dream where you're like, is this a dream or another just weird plot device where there's this like cool guy who's like, there's an attacker on the loose. Like, oh. We should go find him, track him down. And then his overbearing mother comes in and he's like, she's yeah. like, oh my God, like put the scarf on. And I'm like, is this just a weird scene or is this his worst nightmare of his mom ruining his image? Yeah, I think that was a nightmare. At, at, at After watching it a couple of times, I was like, that's a nightmare. Everyone's, yes. there's probably lots of nightmares that we maybe didn't even see if I, you were to like watch more because I didn't pick I up on so. that first. But what I noticed about that was like, random greasers like why they were meant to be cool but I was a little bit confused as to where why they were like randomly just from like a different era yes that was they felt (laughs) era inappropriate they felt like they were out of the outsiders yeah it was very confusing (laughs) yeah um yeah we just get that scene which is so unnecessary um Xander and Willow were walking to class and suddenly like everybody bursts into laughter because Xander's naked as is a yes. classic comical nightmare. Um, they run into the, so like the nightmares are becoming more frequent now that he finds a tracksuit somewhere. They run into the library to talk to Giles. Giles can't read, which is very sad. His worst mm-hmm. nightmare is like, I can't read any of the books. It's just a swirl of letters. Um, but so they're looking at, newspapers and stuff trying to figure out some clues and they find out that this 12 year old kid is in a coma and Buffy I guess has appeared at some point and she's like that's the kid I keep seeing mm-hmm. so they've she also I think they like ask her some more questions but like how to like where is he coming from and she's like what am I a knowledge girl yeah <laughs> it's like I do the fighting <laughs> just tell me what to do it's kind of adorable um They've kind of theorized that, like, this kid's in a coma. His image, basically, he's achieved, like, astral projection. His while asteroid he's in his body. Nightmare. His asteroid body. <laughs> <laughs> Bless. And we're this piece of information is interrupted for, I think, my least favorite. And by least favorite, I mean it was just really upsetting to watch. Yeah, we get, I think my least favorite nightmare and that it was just like really uncomfortable to watch in that Buffy's dad appears. That was my least favorite as well. I actually yeah. looked it up and apparently that scene got praised for in Wikipedia. It says it got praised for comedy. 
which I was like, what? Because I, I wrote, dad's a creep. That's what I wrote. Yeah. Like, he's super creepy. Like, I did not like his face at all. No. Or he looked like a C-list Steve Zahn. <laughs> and it was awful. It was every divorce kid's nightmare. It was yeah. horrible. Um, yeah, so we're not, you know, something's wrong because he's not supposed to be there until after school to pick her up. But yeah. shows up in the library. It's when Giles meets him and has a weird facial reaction of like, <laughs> hello. Oh, you're um, dad. Oh. Right. And he's like, yeah. do you have a moment to talk? And they go outside basically for him to be like, I have to get this off my chest. Yeah. You really suck as a kid. Yeah. I left your mom because I couldn't deal with you anymore. And it's like yeah. horrible. Yes. And he pulls that like, <laughs> she's like, why are you saying all this? And he's like, well, I think at the very least you deserve the truth. And I was when I, because I, I watched that a few times, I was definitely like, no, like, you know what? No one ever deserves the truth. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. usually when someone says that to you, you're like, damn, like, why didn't you just lie to me? <laughs> like, right? Like, sometimes you know a good I mean? white lie is important. Like, life would be so much better if you didn't know the truth sometimes. <laughs> exactly. I, that sounds right? weird, but there are situations, I think, especially with relationships where it's like Ooh. things are like, like the truth hurts, you know, and I don't know if it is really better right. all the time. 100 percent and like there's especially no way that parents me to this yes <laughs> it's awful like just lie and to we, your daughter what the hell right continue to lie to your daughter you never show up anyway it's fine yeah um but we also get like the really awful moment where she's like crying because her dad's just mm-hmm. like committed to all of her worst fears of like my existence as a slayer drove my family apart like I just wanted a normal life and this is ruining everything and she's crying and he's like yeah it's really immature of you to cry when I'm just trying to be honest with you and it's awful yeah it's awful I have written yeah. poor Buffy so misunderstood Right, extremely misunderstood, but like everything she hates about herself is coming to the fore- coming to the foreground. But then she sees this nightmare kid and was like, "Okay, time to pony up. This is happening, but it isn't happening. Let's follow this kid." Mm-hmm. And I've also pointed out that like it takes them a really long time for them to realize that it's their worst nightmares that are coming true because there's been yeah. so many examples, especially yeah. when the first one was like spiders appearing out of nowhere. Yeah. Yes. It takes um, them a. It, it takes them a really long time. I. It also. It is not until eight minutes till the end of the show, where they are, where they figure out what to do. Like exactly. It's the whole thing is just. Yeah. Anyways, carry it's a, on. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. It's. It's. Um, I think it's in terms of like structure. I'm not sure. I think that it's off a little bit. This episode had some choices for pacing. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, we get the kind of assessment that everybody's living their worst nightmares. Um, and that Billy has managed to like escape his coma and his his spirit basically has like joined the living realm but has brought the nightmares that he's experiencing with him. Yeah. Um, and then we get the moment of Cordelia's worst nightmare, which is her hair is just so frizzy. Which is literally just what my hair looks like every day when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, but so Buffy 
is now assessed and she follows this little boy into the gym and they're like hanging out by the bleachers and she's like let's have a little chat tell me she's like you you were in a coma after your baseball game and he's like yeah and she's like do you remember what happened he doesn't remember she keeps pressing it she's like did something bad happen after your game Mm -hmm. there's an ugly man who wants to kill him keeps calling him lucky 19 and then we get the club-handed man yeah who comes at them also buffy is fully just wolverine right like her bones are made of metal or something yeah yeah buffy what is buffy i think that's why if there was they were going to redo it i think they could go more into like buffy's origin story and stuff like that yes right i I I want a weird like government lab about like what yeah. is a slayer and like what is their DNA because it's a lot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Clubman attacks Buffy. They run, and like they just continue to be in this ongoing chase scene while everybody else is in their nightmares. Mm-hmm. Cordelia continues to escalate, and that now she's on the chess team, and she's like <laughs> horrified. Um. And Willow's happy. That yes. was a weird capture. They snapped to, or they cut to Willow's face, and she's like, <laughs> Right. Willow then proceeds to be like, I'm going to look in the basement by myself, yes. and I'm just yelling, Willow, don't go down there. And this, um, I have written, this is when things get really messy and fly off the handle and yeah. go to a place where I'm like, uh, like that's not really actually appropriate for TV. One hundred percent. Um, imagine maybe you're going into Willow and Xander's nightmares. Um, yes, Willow and Xander's nightmares are very not appropriate. Yeah. So <laughs> like, Xander earlier in the episode made some comment about like what his nightmares are, and at some point he's like, "And like Nazis crawling on my face." I'm like, <sighs> "What did he say that?" Yeah, he said that earlier in the episode. Oh, I missed that. I was trying to figure um, out why we'll get to the Right, which thing. is like a weird throwaway line that like we didn't need and was jarring and felt really inappropriate to begin with. And then we cut into his nightmare where he's walking down the hallway that's like under construction. There's tarp everywhere and it's hard to see, but he walks into the hallway and there's like spray painted swastikas on the walls. Yeah. So which I thought just felt really inappropriate and triggering and unnecessary so inappropriate and like there was no context um yeah. so it was almost like it was used like just very loosey-goosey um without thinking about the meaning of a symbol you know which I think if you were a writer on a show you cannot do that like that's so not okay 100 percent. I almost wonder if there was more that was supposed to be included in terms of like visual right. I think effects so. that they had to cut out because there had were... to be it had to be an editing thing or I have also written here art department mess up like I'm kind of yeah. wondering I, I did do for a very small period of time work in art department and the art director has like a lot actually quite a, can have a lot of creative control and so yeah. I was wondering like it usually has to be approved but like I'm kind of wondering like did they just have like some crazy guy and on the team and like you just like put that there like this is right. scary like um or or it was put there by and approved and totally thoughtlessly or it was actually meant to be a st- part of the story and it got cut out I kind of think it 
was maybe supposed to be part of the story simply because we get that really weird thrower line, throwaway yeah. line earlier. Which I missed. But if you like now that you say that, I, I think, yeah, for sure. There was something yeah. else that was meant to right. be there. And unfortunately, we have to see him entering this like spooky hallway. So we get this yeah. set piece that really didn't need to be there. It's weird. I would if I was them, I would have found a different way to cut him into that scene. Yeah. It's but like, I, I also wonder if maybe it was just the time, like like maybe that was not so against you know like maybe they could maybe people didn't think about that symbol the way we do now. I don't know. But maybe. I mean no, they did, right? Like I don't know. Yeah, because I know that a few episodes previous, I think in episode three, there's also another like really unnecessary, tasteless um Nazi reference. Yeah, it's and very, I wonder if maybe insensitive, um, yeah. like racism comments 100%. about race and culture that I think happen a lot in this show. Yeah, so that's why I'm kind of leaning towards maybe there was like another visual component that that somebody like had to veto for. Yeah, someone reasons. was like, "This is not acceptable," and then they were like, "Okay, fine, we'll get rid of it." But they like decided to leave just weird fragments of it, which is yes. so bizarre. It's uh, deeply uncomfortable. But yeah. yeah, he's in this hallway and it's awful and there's sharps everywhere and there's hate symbols. But there's also chocolate bars on the ground and he's like, hot, yeah, chocolate. And he like picks up this chocolate bar and sees that there's more. I'm like, Xander, you idiot. This is obviously a trick. I'm like, chocolate mm-hmm. trap. Keeps grabbing all these chocolate bars. He's walking. Um, Fallen for the old chocolate trap again. Who hasn't? <laughs> um, I think like I just kind of want to go through his dream and that he event like just keeps following this obvious trap and then this demon clown with a knife just mm-hmm. rolls out and goes after him. Yeah. So that's Xander's dream largely. Willow um, has been pulled on to has been pulled on stage. Yeah. In very culturally inappropriate and sensitive garb and makeup. <laughs> yes. So bad. Like, <sighs> and yeah, that's, but also, again, not, not making excuses, but that was so the 90s. Right? Exactly. Like, that was something that was in a lot of 90s TV shows and like Spice Girls and like, which oh, is yeah. the same time. So I, I think that they really just, did that intentionally 100 <laughs> percent is not something that makes it okay that makes it worse they literally were just like yeah right um yeah she's pulled into a theater because she now has to perform prop i think definitely implied that like a number from madam butterfly That's because of the culturally too. yes and she's got um like butterfly earrings too yes but i don't know um, madam butterfly well enough to I have never watched or listened to that in my life. No, um, me either. It's one of those things that I'm like, ooh, don't know it, but I feel like I do because it's yeah. referenced so often. Case in yeah. point, they could put it in this teen show and everyone was like, yes, Madam Butterfly. Great. Yeah. Um, right. But she gets pulled on stage to sing opera and she's like, I don't know the words. I'm like, that's the least of your problems. Right <laughs> she's with this like master opera singer from Italy and yeah. then from Sunnydale, the soprano Willow Rosenberg, and he like sings and like waits for her to cut in, and she's like, uh, 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 uh. finally she just tries, and she's like, ah! 
<laughs> yeah. and runs off stage and it's horrible <laughs> yeah sweet willow just wants to blend into the background and it's very sad and sweet um i have written here that like i think around this time with xander's dream and willow's outfit this is when i i wrote like whose nightmare is this like this is right. our nightmare like the people of the you know, 2020, yeah, the current era, era, like this is literally our nightmare right now. This show has become our nightmare. (laughs) Right, yes. You're watching it and you're like, this is the worst thing I could possibly imagine. Why did you do this? (laughs) Right. Um, Willow and Xander run into each other as they're chasing their respective nightmares willow establishes like oh yeah your sixth birthday with that clown and he's like yeah and i don't fucking like this so they're running i think eventually they realize that they're just in their worst nightmares and xander's like gotta face my fear and i actually do kind of enjoy xander in this moment that he like turns to the clown and just punches the clown in the face yeah and and that kind of dissipates it yeah they end up doing which is sort of foreshadowed by the demon in the whatever hell mouth you know he says like it's all in your mind right and so then xander performs facing his fears and then that's when it's kind of like okay they're they've got this right so buffy and willow or xander and willow have figured it out buffy has somehow made it into has found the master in this graveyard i think they found an empty coffin she's like oh no somebody's somebody's died and that's when the master appears and she's like you're not supposed to be out this isn't Mm -hmm. real like how can you be here and he tells her because you fear it it exists Mm -hmm. it's like ooh, yeah weird episode good line um (laughs) they get into this big kerfuffle he probably chokes her again because that's his favorite thing in the world um throws her into the coffin and tries to bury her alive that one was scary to me that's that one yes. is a real fear. That's so scary. It was very scary. And weirdly is a thing that gets referenced in teen dramas a lot going forward alive. after Buffy, where I'm like, did they see this episode? And they're like, oh yeah, this is the good this is the good stuff. We gotta <laughs> use it. <laughs> um oh, we also get like a really sad, sweet moment where like Scooby Gang has now met up. They're trying to find Buffy. They find her grave in the cemetery because there's this like nightmare cemetery across from the school where it's like permanently night in the middle of the day yeah there's they go in to to get to the cemetery that are the cemetery that just appears it's some hilarious editing it's great um buffy is dead as they've established and they're like whose nightmare is this and jaws was like it's mine i failed her and he gives this little eulogy and it's very sad um but she's not dead. She reaches up for someone to help her. Her hand, you know, rises yeah. from the dirt. They grab her and she's a vampire. Mm-hmm. Which they're like, you didn't tell us you dreamt about becoming a vampire. And she's like, this isn't a dream. Yeah. <laughs> help me. Um. So now it's go time. They've established they have to wake up Billy and all the nightmares stop. This little boy. I also <laughs> get the reference of she's like, we got to do this quickly. I'm getting hungry. And they're like, what the fuck? which yeah. I appreciated that. Um, they go to the hospital, try and wake Billy and the hospital is in chaos. All the doctors are now having their worst nightmares come through, which that obviously just ascends into chaos. Yeah. The um, world has gone crazy. Right. They find Billy's room, but there's two Billy's. There's the Billy that's in a coma and there's Billy's asteroid body. <laughs> I'm using it. I like it. Oh, <laughs> as, 
<laughs> right? Is watching and he's like, we have to hide. The ugly man's coming. The ugly man appears and Buffy's like, I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah, I thought that I've was also pointed a badass. This, oh, yeah. This scene where she's like, yeah, like, you know what's more scary than you? Me. Right. I've also written down, I was like, you know, when shit's about to go down because Buffy gets sassy. Yeah. <laughs> it's when all her dialogue comes out where it's about to escalate and then wrap up. Um, they get into this fight and it's, yeah, it's badass. She's like, I'm not afraid of anything. I am fear. Like, let's do this. They get mm-hmm. into a big fight. Um, seems like it's nearly done, but Billy has to finish the job because he has to face his own fears. So he like rips the monster mask off. Mm-hmm. Which I've also written, make your bones, kid. Face your fears. <laughs> yeah. And that works. Billy's awake. It's awesome. He doesn't remember how he got there. He thinks he had a dream about these people. And he's like, how did you get here? And his little league coach appears in the doorway. Mm-hmm. Who really tying into what you had mentioned about like, is it supposed to be implied that some sexual abuse was happening? He yeah. appears in the doorway. I'm like, this is a cartoon of a child predator. Yeah. It felt Just like not nice. And I hate that my mind went there. But I'm like, I know this I, was intentional. I kind of I don't like that my mind went there either. And, and same with when the girls in the hospital. I don't like that my mind went there. But it did. And. I think it's because there's so much, so many sexual innuendos that it kind of makes you start to wonder, like, it starts to make you see them where they aren't. So, or maybe they are, I don't know. It makes you really, like, I just see everything as weird sex on that show now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, probably not incorrect. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. And especially looking into Joss Whedon is I just how you say his name yeah um kind of makes me think uh that he was aware of what he was writing in there but I'm not sure I think I feel like it's probably safe to assume that he was like someone will get there yeah um but yeah we have this awful scene where he just like appears to check on Billy and he's like oh shit you're awake and like everybody's aware of the fact that he did something bad and he's like i'm gonna go and like xander grabs him so he can't escape and this kid has his moment his like moment of triumph and victory where he's like i didn't lose the game there's eight other people on the team you know that and buffy's like good job i told you to say that right and it's kind of awesome um everything wraps up this guy goes to jail yeah so like confirmed also thank goodness this guy goes to jail which as we know offenders tend to get off easy this guy goes to jail it's great everybody's happy uh buffy's dad appears because i guess the buffy's dad that like told her all of her worst fears were true was just a figment of her imagination wasn't actually her dad and he's like hey kiddo sorry i'm late and she's like they have a little moment they go off and because that kind of makes it reveals that nothing that happened during that time was real or it got everything got reset essentially yeah yeah so that's that's basically just where the episode wraps up yeah that was it yeah or like it could have just wrapped up there but then we have another 30 seconds of willow being like hey xander when buffy was a vampire you weren't still attracted to her were you and he was like i don't know and it's like really weird and unnecessary yeah, that was yeah. Willow and Xander's and Buffy's love triangle is kind of depressing. Right. It's not fun for anybody. No, it's not. Everyone's suffering. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was episode ten. Episode ten. 
it was a wild ride. It was. I I don't think it was my favorite episode. No. But there was a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't have um je ne sais quoi. <laughs> That I Fair. that I need out of <laughs> I agree. It, it there was no finesse there. There was a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um I think I get this episode four Paisley knit scarves out of ten. Oh wow, that's really mm. that's not good at all. Yeah, that was <laughs> not my favorite. What about you? Um yeah, I think it might be four out of 10 paisley knit scarves as well (laughs) um yeah yeah, it definitely i'm curious to know if you've had 10 out of 10 out of any of the episodes um i will say we've recorded an episode for a future date that gets a 9 out of 10 and that's the highest i've given anything so far wow yeah (laughs) Um, yeah this one did not win it was although i would say it has one paisley knit scarf more than the one about the uh, ventriloquist yes that one very fair so not good to me that one is a lot yeah that one somehow was messier than this yes they really just set the bar down here for themselves it was it was bizarre it was also like a confirmation that they are really just like going through the rolodex of tv tropes like it's just they're all cliches like everything's a cliche in the show 100 percent. i both appreciate and also yeah i i i I totally do appreciate it but i think it almost sometimes seems like it's a parody and that's when i'm like a little confused because it's so over the top right sometimes they really straddle the line of camp versus satire and it's like not sure which side they're landing on yeah 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 it's a lot but yeah yeah um yeah thank you for watching this episode with us of course i'm hooked now i can't i'm like i gotta keep going i need to good 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 find out what happens i will assure you it hits its stride in a way where it's consistently more comfortable to watch okay that's good to know yeah it remains bizarre but it it finds its stride um if people want to find you on the internet and see what they're up to Mm -hmm. where should they go what should they look at um, so Studio Spaced is a interactive, collaborative art project that we air right now. We're just doing one day a week on Twitch. Um, and it's Twitch uh, or Studio Spaced. I feel sorry. If you go on Twitch, you search for Studio Spaced. I think it's Studio underscore Spaced. And you'll find yes. us there. Um, and actually, I'm enjoying watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer for reasons that it lends to I think some of the things that I think about when I'm writing for studio space because the show is also narrative based and it's sort of like I've written it in the style of like a space opera um, that has actual art projects involved in it but it is Mm -hmm. a lot of it is very much so like based on sci-fi tropes and 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 yeah, so I, I do find this show in a weird way does kind of like cross over into my interests as just looking at how to write a campy show. I guess. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Um, Studio Space is really fun. Also, do you want to tell us more about like kind of like how it works, what it is? 
so yeah, we go, uh, it's on Thursdays or Wednesdays. I think we're leaning towards doing it on Thursdays. I used to do it three days a week, but we're just doing one right now. And they're a little more, it's making the episodes a little more epic, but basically, so you join the stream and we do uh, a mission. So we're flying through space right now, as you can see, I'm actually inside of a spaceship, which no (laughs) one can see, but I am inside of my spaceship. And um, we go to different planets and my character, Grace X, is uh, the captain of this ship and she works for um, the, her federation, which is the Federation of Light, which is sort of this um, creative uh, like entity that oversees everything that goes on in the studio space universe. And she has to go around to different planets and solve different missions um, without uh being a actually this is one of the things that has been the most challenging to do i think <laughs> is to go to different planets without being uh a uh conqueror oh <laughs> oh i like I mean. that yeah I so I, I like pushing how to be it's been interesting to try to think of more creative ways to explore the universe um and so on every episode we um we do an art project so we solve we solve problems through art. So people will make art with me and then they send their art in. And then uh, in a future episode, their artwork actually becomes part of the show. So you'll see your artwork somehow like on a planet or maybe we'll need it in order to solve some sort of uh, situation. I don't know (laughs) without saying too much, but (laughs) yeah. It's really cool. Thank you. Uh, if they want to find you on the Instagrams or anything, are there handles? Uh, yeah, Studio Space. It's, I think it's the same. Um, studio Space, Studio underscore Spaced, I believe. Let me just Excellent. double check. But yeah, I think that's. Yeah, Studio underscore, underscore Spaced on Instagram. And same on Twitch. Outstanding. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun. This was so fun. Thank you. You uh, ignited a new passion for me. That is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm so glad. That's excellent. (laughs) Um, If y'all want to follow Buff Wild and kind of really get into all of the supplementary content, etc., you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Buff Wild Pod. Um, If you like all of your information in one space like I do, you can go to our Linktree page that has all of our social media handles, places you can listen, places you can donate. Uh, It is Linktree slash wild pod you can also email us at buffwildpod at gmail.com and tell us your thoughts on this very chaotic program (laughs) we'd love to hear from you not Um, as chaotic as episode 10 though (laughs) right this is really (laughs) the pinnacle and then it just kind of mellows out (laughs) um but yeah we will see you all next week um thank you so much thank you so much olivia thank you All right. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.